fight begin! Welcome to It's Real to Us, the wrestling podcast. Featuring your host, Anthony the Mark and Tony the Father. What's going on, you guys? And welcome to It's Real to Us, the wrestling podcast. As a reminder, you can find us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at It's Real to Us. And for some reason on YouTube, we are at It's Real to Us 1. On today's episode, we are going to talk about everything that happened on the January 8th edition of Monday Night Raw. Now, if you happen to miss the show, don't worry about it. Because we got Tony the Father in-house, and yours truly, ready to break down everything you might have missed with the fastest Raw recap. Drew Dan Aykroyd McIntyre and CM Eddie Murphy Punk have seemingly traded places? Drew is now a disgruntled superstar, and Punk receives a hero's welcome wherever he goes. Hey, Tony, I bet you $1 CM Punk wins the Rumble. You're on, Mark. I'll bet you a dollar that... Drew McIntyre wins the rumble. All right, it's settled. Let's get ready to rumble. The hungry shark, Finn Balor, was circling Tomasa Chum, Champa, and hoping for a quick kill. But after Finn took Johnny Chief Brody Gargano's bait, Balor's hopes of winning blew up. Smile, you son of a... Tomasa Champa beats Finn Balor. Watch out, Judgment Day. It looks like DIY are coming for the tag team titles. Since Kofi Amak Tyson Kingston knocked out Giovanni Vinci last week, Ludwig Kaiser wanted Kofi's head on a silver platter this week. After a double countout, Kaiser snapped and KO'd Kofi. You just got knocked the fuck out, Kingston. All right, all right, all right. A head for a head leaves everyone dazed and confused. We're not worthy. We're not worthy for another women's tag team title match. KC2 kept their party going with a successful title retention against Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. It's Katana's chance and Kaden Carter's Wayne's world, and we're just living in it. And the Golden Globe for Best Judgment Day member goes to our truth The ultimate Trojan horse, once again inadvertently sabotaged the group by helping The Miz live, laugh, and love his way to a win over J.D. McDonough. But with Mommy and her men aware of the R-Truth issue, how much longer will Truth be wearing purple? The first Monday meat night of the year saw 635 pounds of beef collide when the oversized load Otis took on the meatiest Viking in all the land. Ivar. After several meaty maneuvers, one thing I know, I got the biggest meat. In the end, the Vikings squashed the beefy Otis with the moonsault from the top rope. Ivar defeats Otis. Cody Anchorman Rhodes is kind of a big deal and was ready to take on Shinsuke West Mantooth Nakamura in a straight fight. There was just one rule, no touching of the hair or face. Both men threw everything they had at each other. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. But in the end, Rhodes was once again number one in the ratings and defeated Nakamura. 
You stay classy, San Diego. Cody Rhodes' story continues at the Royal Rumble. That was the fastest Raw recap. Hello, everyone, and welcome to It's Real to Us, the wrestling podcast. I'm Anthony Passiello, joined alongside Tony the Father. Tony, how are you today? What's up there, buddy boy? I'm okay. I'm okay. We've got rainy skies out tonight. It's going to rain all night. Yeah, it's pretty shitty out. Yeah, it's shitty out today. It's kind of like dark, one of those dreary days. And on dark, dreary days, you know what we do? I eat and drink. And we also drink. You got the whiskey over there, I see, huh? Yeah, I figured it'd be a little fun if I drink. It's only you and I in here today, so we're going to have to carry the load. So I need a little bit more personality. Take a shot. Take a shot. All right. Plug this baby. There we go. Put this down. Cheers. Cheers. Ah, that feels good. Man, I love me some whiskey. That warms you up, that whiskey. It does. I'm ready when I was to your go. age, I used to drink it all the time. It gives you instant fucking head rush, makes your whole body feel warm. But you were never a whiskey drinker, were you? Nah, when I was your age, I did everything and drank everything. But you got to sip whiskey. It's not like a drink you're going to suck down. Yeah, but that goes without saying for most liquors. I like taking shots. No, that's of not whiskey. true. I used to drink my absolutes. I used to suck them down like fucking candy, like fucking soda. Yeah, and you got hammered, I'm sure. When I was your age, I used to go to the clubs. I used to have anywhere from 10 to 20 fucking absolutes a night. And it was like nothing. We used to line up the shots. We do the absolute. You guys couldn't compete with us. I absolutely could compete with you. Me and my friends would outdrink you and your friends. Let me tell you, any day of the week. Then we'd play football against you. We'd beat the shit out of you. Then we'd actually beat the shit out of you after the game. If Trevor hears this, he's going to charge you. He's going to be like, when you want to drink? When you want to fight? Your boy Trevor is a little old school. He's probably one of your only friends that could actually hung out or ran with us. I can drink a fucking shit ton, though. I'm not talking about drinking, but just the overall attitude. The mentality? The mentality, the attitude. Trevor's a cement head. He would have fit right <laughs> in with me and my friends. All right. Well, hey, Trevor, there's your little shout out. But nevertheless, this is It's Real to Us, and we are talking about wrestling. So, Tony, I had this whole banter lined up about breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but maybe we just use the liquor and move on and talk about Raw? This fucking cord's always hanging. It's a pain in the fucking ass. <laughs> just leave it. Let it be. No, but it's always intertwined with these other cords. There we go. Now it's free. Now it's free. You feeling better? Cord was pissing me off. Now I'm better. Okay, good. So you ready to talk about Raw? Ready to talk about Raw. All right, let's do it. Monday Night Raw Breakdown. Breakdown. So let's start with how Monday Night Raw began, and that's with Drew McIntyre, who came out and he pretty much voiced all of his frustrations. He talked about how it was his own fault for coming up short in his World Heavyweight Championship match against Seth Rollins. Then he blamed Damian Priest. Then McIntyre alluded to the idea of leaving the company, similar to how CM Punk did, so that way he could gather support. And the mention of CM Punk brought out the straight-edge superstar. Did this shock you at all, seeing these two guys come face-to-face? No, not at all. Drew was emotionally pissed off last night. He was disgusted. I think he's a little fucking pissed off about his whole situation with WWE not being signed. But he's frustrated with himself because once again, he had the golden opportunities, the keys to the kingdom, and he just can't fucking do it. Damian Priest came out in the middle of the match when Drew was on a roll and decided he was going to cash in. So Drew took matters in his own hand, got rid of Priest. So he actually pinned Seth Rollins took his leg, and put it over the rope himself. That's on you, Drew. And he called out CM Punk because he knows CM Punk's the golden boy. 
you know, he's just going to show up and go right to the head of the fucking line. So Drew's pissed off. CM Punk gone nine, ten years, comes back, automatically going to the front of the line. So it felt like there was some real animosity between these two when they were speaking. And the fact that McIntyre mentioned possibly leaving the company, I couldn't tell if Drew was being serious or if this was all a work. So Drew McIntyre said to CM Punk that Punk simply being in WWE at the moment is costing people a lot of money. Do you think there's some truth to that? Yeah, Drew's disgusted. See somebody like CM Punk. They probably threw funny money at him. He knows he's coming back. He's going right to the front of the line. And this guy is in the trenches day after day, month after month for the last couple years. And now he doesn't know if he's going to be employed. I'd be pissed too at CM Punk. I think this is all a work. I think WWE is doing a great job of convincing everyone that Drew McIntyre is seemingly on the outs. It's possible that... Behind the scenes, they got a deal going on, and this is all a work. But CM Punk, he might be a face, but backstage with the other wrestlers, he's a fucking heel. I'm sure there are some people who like CM Punk, and I'm sure that there are some people who dislike him. And with that being said, I think CM Punk only has such a shelf life for being a babyface in the company. And I think the excitement of CM Punk being back is going to evaporate sooner rather than later. I wouldn't be surprised if CM Punk is the biggest heel in WWE soon enough. No, I agree. I think that's the way to go with CM Punk. And he's so easy to fucking root against. I don't know why. He just feels like a sold-out, marketed maybe like company version, like a processed version of what he used to be. He's not as authentic as he used to be. Now, when I see him, when he comes out, I want to punch him in the face. He's, he's here for the money. That's yeah, the way. He's annoying, too. He's got that little fucking weasel look on his face. Yeah. I got a business idea. I'm going to make pinatas and put CM Punk's <laughs> face on it. I bet you make a lot of money selling them. We'll stuff it with candy, and you're going to beat it with a stick till it breaks. <laughs> I like it. I'll buy I one. I think it's a good idea. That's a good idea for a business, making pinatas with people's faces that we think people might hate. Let's talk to our guy over at Minute Maid, Anthony. Yeah, we should talk to Anthony. We got to do something. Oh, and I was thinking about it. That'll be what we give away. So everybody who follows us on X, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, reach out to us. We're going to be doing a free giveaway. And what we're going to be giving away is our new merch. We have sweatshirts. And that's a great giveaway, too. Those shirts are nice. They, they, they were fucking, what, $70 sweatshirts? They're beautiful sweatshirts. Uh -huh. Mine's warm as hell, man. I got it. I, I was sleeping in it. I'm wearing it. It's like a fucking uniform. I got to wash it now. It's starting to smell. But anyway, let's get back to what we are talking about. Are we allowed to make pinatas and put wrestlers' faces on there and sell them on eBay and stuff like that? Because I bet you we could make a lot of money doing that. This is America. We could do whatever we want. But this is also a wrestling podcast. So when you said, let's get back to it, I thought you meant CM Punk and Drew McIntyre. Because there are a couple more things I wanted to talk about. All right, yeah, let's get back. We'll, we'll talk off air about that. I like the pinata idea, though. I like the pinata idea, We'll put idea it in too. our back pocket. But this was a pretty solid promo back and forth. Did this excite you about the idea of a possible match between Drew and uh, CM Punk? Before CM Punk bought up and then Drew bought up the Royal Rumble, they were going to both be in it. I was kind of pumped. I wanted to see him throw down maybe next week on Raw. That would have been kind of cool because not for nothing, when is CM Punk going to do anything but flap his jaw? 
He hasn't fought yet. He walks around with that stupid grin on his face. I, I want to punch <laughs> him in his face. Yeah, no, he, he hasn't wrestled yet, but it's... He hasn't done anything. He's more of an attraction at this point. It's his return tour, so to speak. So you got to give it a little bit of time. But what this promo and segment did for me was hype up the idea of these two guys being the last two in the Royal Rumble. Think about that. So I've been saying for the longest time CM Punk's going to win the Royal Rumble. Despite how that might make a bunch of wrestlers backstage feel, it would be awesome to give CM Punk his moment in the main event of WrestleMania. It's the thing that forced him out of the company that he was never given that spot. So he comes back, you give him that spot right away against Seth, who we'll talk about later. He also hasn't had that spot. Huge money match, okay? But then you look at the other side, Drew, say he comes in second. These are the last two guys in the match. It continues his spiral of madness. He's just short. He can't cross the goal line like you said. So I thought that this was very, very well crafted. And if these two guys are the final two, this this is just a home run in terms of foreshadowing and storytelling. The Rumble is going to be great. You got Cody Rhodes, you got CM Punk, you got Drew McIntyre. Right there alone, it's going to make the Rumble incredible. For now, we're going to leave that there. And we're going to talk about the first match of the night, which saw Tommaso Ciampa beat Finn Balor with a little help from Johnny Gargano. The immediate question on my mind is, are DIY next up for Damian Priest and Finn Balor's Undisputed tag team titles? It has to be. They just took out Finn Balor. He pinned Finn Balor. So it's the right move. It's the next move. And yeah, you know what? Finn Balor just got pinned. Why can't he get pinned again? DIY could win the titles. I think that this is a tremendous win for them. And this feud going forward is going to really highlight them as a tag team. And I think that they could be the team to dethrone Judgment Day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going a little... I don't know about that. Pump the brakes there, Mark. Yeah, that's, that's a little much. You know, he took out Finn Balor in a one-on-one -on -one match. You want to win against fucking Damian and Finn and the whole Judgment Day? Good luck. We're going to talk about R-Truth a ton in a little bit, but basically he's been costing the group inadvertently for the last handful of weeks, and they've been picking up a lot of losses. DIY has been hot. They beat Imperium. I don't know. Triple H loves Johnny Gargano, and he loves Tommaso Ciampa. So... If the belts are going to come off the Judgment Day, why not give DIY a run with them? You're going to think they're going to take the belts off Judgment Day before WrestleMania? No way. And give it to DIY? It's not happening. They might have a little feud, go back and forth. Maybe they'll get close to a pin. It's not going to happen. DIY has got to fucking run a little bit. They're kind of new together. I don't see it. They're not new together. They've been fighting against each other and alongside each other for over five years. How many matches they have on Raw? They've had a handful of matches. A handful. That's my point. I, I don't see it. I don't think to put the titles on them is the right move. Well, maybe they'll make you a believer over the next couple weeks because next week on Raw, DIY will be going up against Judgment Day Light. That's Dominic Mysterio and J.D. McDonough. So if they can get past that version of Judgment Day, maybe they get a chance at the titles. Let them win next week, and then we'll talk again. Fair enough. So what I want to talk about now is our truth because I don't know if you saw this, Tony, or not, but WWE aired one of the most comical video packages I have ever seen in my entire life. The premise around it was our truth explaining why he's in the Judgment Day and kind of getting an in-depth look into his mind. Did you see this? No, I didn't see it. I didn't see the promo. It's like a confession-style video where R-Truth is talking about being born as a baby. And when he was born, he remembers it vividly. The doctor holds him up, and R-Truth speaks as a baby. He goes like, Doc, one day, I'm going to be in Judgment Day. And then they show a photo of like <laughs> five... Funny. 
Five Little Judgment Day Babies. It was hysterical. He called Dominic Tom and Nick Mysterio. He goes like, Tom and Nick, I love them. I never met Nick, but that's my brother. It was just hysterical from start to finish. So Everything he does is great, our truth. He kind of wrapped everything up by saying, Judgment Day, we're always here for you. You need a shoulder to cry on? We're here. Remember, Judgment Day's credo. Live, laugh, and love. There, there aren't enough good things to say about it. This was hysterical. I was in tears the entire time. I want more type of videos like this. Everything that Truth is doing with the Judgment Day is just working for me. It's almost like he doesn't know if he's in the Judgment Day or not. He's confused. He thinks he's in. Uh, he was watching The Miz fight the other night, and he's kind of like rooting against The Miz, but then he's trying to help him. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where he fits right now. He's a man without a country. Yeah, he's lost. He thinks he's in the Judgment Day, but he knows they're not accepting him. And then to that point, later on in the night, we had The Miz versus J.D. McDonough. And this was a big match because the Judgment Day, they collected themselves backstage after Finn lost to Champa, And they were like, all right, we got to start rolling. J.D., go out there, get a win against The Miz. We got to get back on track. J.D. goes out. He loses to The Miz in large part because R-Truth is at ringside. So next week, it was announced that Damian Priest and Finn Balor are going to fight R-Truth and The Miz. R-Truth, I'm going to give you some advice right now. You want to be in the Judgment Day. Everybody knows it. Next week, you got to hit Miz in the back of the head and cause the pin. You got to do something to help them. You want to be in the Judgment Day, but yet you don't want to be in the Judgment Day. It's kind of funny. So you got to pick a side, Truth. Pick a side. I think he has picked a side. I think Not he really no. He definitively wants to be on Judgment Day, but they keep pushing him away, which is what's causing the confusion. But he's not doing anything to show his basic loyalty to be there. That's not true. He was going to. So last but week, but he hasn't. Next week, let's see if he does something that causes the Miz to get pinned. Then you could say, hey. This guy maybe should be in Judgment Day. Until then, forget about it. It's not happening. Damian Priest likes our truth. Damian Priest is always serious. Always serious. But when our truth's around, he's got a smile on his face. He starts to laugh a little. He loosens up. So, yeah, he, he thinks our truth is fucking comical and he likes him. But is he going to put him in the Judgment Day? Truth's got to do something to earn his way into Judgment Day. So we'll see. Maybe next week will be a definitive line in the sand where R-Truth either steps up and joins the Judgment Day or finally understands that he's not with the group. Personally, I hope that this continues to snowball and we get him in the group. So we'll see what happens, but we're going to move on and we're going to talk about Kofi Kingston versus Ludwig Kaiser. So a week ago... Kingston accidentally knocked out Giovanni Vinci. Vinci's okay, though. He's just going to be out of action for a couple weeks after what may have been a concussion. We're not really sure. But anyway, this week, Kaiser and Kingston fought to a double countout. Then Ludwig kind of snapped, and he threw a chair in Kofi's face, and then he slammed his head into the steel steps with a boot and pretty much knocked out Kingston. Basically, an eye for an eye turns into a head for a head. It was total payback. Ludwig Kaiser had a mission, and I'm sure it came from Gunther. Kaiser didn't want to just beat Kofi. He wanted to hurt him, and he did it. He took the chair and he hit him in the head with the chair. He knocked Kofi out, and then he slammed his head into the steel steps after he was out. He hurt Kofi big time. I'm usually not the biggest fan of disqualification wins or count-out wins, but in this situation, I think it worked for a multitude of reasons. One, Giovanni Vinci's out for a couple of weeks, so you can't really take the story that they wanted in the direction they wanted. You kind of need to let him heal up, and it prolongs Kingston and Kaiser. You get you can get a more definitive win down the, down the road. And 
with Gunther coming back next week, because he was announced that he's coming back, I'm curious to see what his reaction to Kaiser is going to be. Is he going to be happy that he stepped up and kicked the shit out of Kofi, or is he going to be upset that he allowed Giovanni to get hurt in the first place? I think the ring gen is going to be ecstatic that Ludwig stepped up and knocked Kofi out after he took out Giovanni. I don't think he's going to be mad that Giovanni got knocked out because that wasn't Ludwig's fault. He got drop kicked by Kofi. This is going to help Ludwig get back in a good grace with Gunther. It'll be interesting to see who Gunther's next challenger is. I know we talked about Jay Uso on the show maybe stepping up. Maybe it's Bronson Reed. So lots of things to figure out when Gunther comes back, and we're excited to see the ring general. But for now, we're going to move on, and we're going to shift gears from the Intercontinental Champion to the World Heavyweight Champion. Because Seth Rollins this past week came out and made his desires for the marquee of WrestleMania known. It's the one thing Seth Rollins has yet to do in his illustrious WWE career. Headline WrestleMania and take a World Heavyweight Championship into the Showcase of Immortals. He can do two birds, one stone this year. I think that's what's going to happen. But anyways, last night he was interrupted by Jinder Mahal. Who would have thought? Jinder. Two appearances in two weeks. The two pretty much went back and forth, verbally sparred before things broke down, got a little physical, and Ginger Mahal was able to avoid the stomp before a championship match for next week was announced. How about that? Ginger Mahal, Tony, zero to hero to championship contender, just like that. First The Rock two weeks ago, then Seth Rollins last night. Who the fuck would have thought Jinder Mahal would have did anything? When he came out against The Rock, I was looking at him, like, who the fuck is this idiot? I didn't even recognize him. You know, so good for Jinder. He's back in the picture a little bit. And we were talking about this. We were like, what are you going to do with Seth between now and the, and the Rumble? They really didn't have anybody to put there. So it was nice to see this. And, you know, this will be a nice two, three-week spot for Jinder. He gets a little exposure. And Seth will kick his fucking ass. He's going to stop the Indian. Yeah, I don't think either one of us think that Jinder has any type of a chance to win the championship. I don't think anybody in the world thinks Jinder is walking out with the championship. But like you just said, Tony... Seth has kind of been through the entire roster already. There aren't many more challengers he can go through, so why not give Jinder the spot, especially because he's coming off a hot segment with The Rock. And not for nothing, Jinder's been great. He's been fucking detestable. You, you hate when he comes on the screen. You boo the shit out of him. What more do you want for a little two, three-week feud? So I love it. I think this is a home run. He's got that Iron Sheik persona about him. You know, he comes out. He hates America. Everyone looks at him. He's got that smug look on his face. So he's the guy you want to root against. He's perfect right now for Seth. I, I love it. I, I hope Seth kicks his fucking ass. Something that I thought was very, very funny was a tweet posted by the CEO of AEW in relation to this match being made. So over on AEW Hook, who is 28-1 and son of, I don't know if he's a WWE Hall of Famer, but son of ECW legend Taz, called out Samoa Joe this past week wanting a title match. and people, fans, uproar. They're like, how could Hook call out Samoa Joe? He stinks. Oh, he shouldn't be fighting for the championship. And then Tony Khan took to Twitter to voice his frustrations. It's like, how can you people get upset for me booking Hook versus Samoa Joe? He's 28-1. And then over on Raw, Jinder's getting a title opportunity against Seth this Rollins. Tony Khan, the head of AEW. If Tony Khan wasn't in AEW and he wasn't the head, you know where he would work? At Google. He's very Googleish. He's what do you he's mean Googleish. He's a googly. He's a nerdy type googly, of googly. He's a he's a nerdy type of internet guy. I can see him three o'clock in the morning. He's all like shriveled up, tweeting. It's Tony Khan. Do you expect it? Yes. Is it stupid? Yes. 
But what, what are you going to do? Yeah. I, I love it. He's it's a, funny. I know. It makes you laugh. He's he's that nerd that got put in the locker when he was a kid. You could see it. Uh -huh. He's a total mark. So here's the exact tweet. Okay, so Tony Khan tweets, a double standard. Hook, 28-1 record on a winning streak, calls out the champ. A logical challenge sparks online outrage. Jinder has literally lost every single match he's been in for the past year, immediately gets a title shot. Where is the rage? And then he says, hashtag AW Dynamite tomorrow on TBS. He's, he's one of us. That's, he, he gets upset because people are bashing his product. And then when he sees people cheering for Jinder, he just gets upset. So super relatable, super funny. That made me like Tony Khan more. No, he's definitely relatable. You got to love it because he has the passion. Like we said last week, we went to the AEW show. And you saw the guy talking. He came out doing a promo. And he's, he's got choked up and he's crying a little bit. This is his life. He loves wrestling. I don't think Tony Khan is out chasing women at night. I don't think he's womanizing like other CEOs of wrestling companies <laughs> have done in the past. About? Who are you well, talking about? We're not going to mention no names. But, you know, this is Tony Khan. This is what he is. This is what he's about. He loves wrestling. He's, he's a wrestling geek, so he's going to do stuff like this. And uh, you can't blame the guy for it. He has the passion, you know. But one thing, Tony, I got to give you a little advice. You are the CEO and the head of AEW. Once in a while, put your chest out. And do something tough. Also, just create a burner account if you want to go down a rabbit hole and tweet out your frustrations. You shouldn't be doing that from your main account. Create a burner. That way you can get all of your takes off your chest without any of the backlash. But anyway, this is a Raw show, so let's dive back in on a couple of the other miscellaneous things that happened on Raw. So Nia Jax declared for the Royal Rumble. Her and Rhea Ripley came face-to-face. -face. This was a nice tease of what's to come between these two. And as... WWE commentators said yesterday, Nia is the odds-on favorite. Do you agree with that statement, Tony? Do you think that Nia wins the Rumble? She just beat the top fucking six wrestlers in the company on Raw in the last three, four months. So I got to make it a favorite. Look at the size of her. Unless they double-team or triple-team or do one of those moves where they got everybody jumping on her and they try to push her out, she's going to be right there, especially if she comes in late. I think she has a good showing in the Rumble, but ultimately, I think this is Becky Lynch's match. I think Becky wins the Rumble for a second time. She becomes the first woman to win the Rumble two times. She goes on to WrestleMania to challenge Rhea Ripley for the title. What do you think about that? Yeah, if Becky wins the Rumble, she's going to probably go after Rhea. So we're going to wait and see. It's going to be exciting, though. Maybe Rhea will interfere in a Rumble and cause Nia to lose. Maybe. Because that way, Niall can come back and say, oh, you didn't want to face me in WrestleMania, and they'll end up having the fight in Australia, which I've been saying for months what's going to happen. Have you been drinking? No. You're slurring your words today. Uh, I'm struggling today, yeah. Why are you struggling? I don't know, because I'm 61, and I'm confused, and I'm old, <laughs> and I'm tired. All right, well, thank and you for doing And my back this. is killing me, and my neck hurts, and stroke. <laughs> Stroke. We're almost done, all right? I'm trying. I'm trying the best I can. I'm giving it all she's got, Captain. I'm giving it all she's got. All right. Katana Chance and Kaden Carter retained their women's tag team titles against the former champions, Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. I fucking hate KC2. I hate their stupid fucking fire extinguishers they come out with, and I hate their party girl gimmick. This is all I have to say about that. I want someone to beat him, and I want him to go back to NXT or back to midget wrestling, wherever the <laughs> fuck they're from. Get rid of them. I've had it. It does nothing for me. I don't like when four foot nine fucking people are beating up on the bigger people. I'm a Vince McMahon guy. I'm old school. I root for the big people. 
So these little fucking twerps are pissing me off. I have no problem with their size. It's just personality and gimmick-wise, they kill it for me. And not in a good way. In a very, very poor way. I just, I despise them. We're not going to give them any more time. Just give us a new women's tag team champions. Any any other team Anybody. 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 And so, put some new blood into that division with some big-name stars. Let's go. Come on, Dever. You know, there's actually a rumor Naomi's coming back. But we're not going to go into that because we need to talk about the first meat match of the year. When Ivar and Otis went toe-to-toe, this was 635 pounds of pure beef just smashing against each other. I like matches like this because every time I see two big guys in the ring, I feel good about myself. Like you got a shot? I was watching them wrestling and I'm looking down at my body. I'm lifting my shirt up. I'm like, damn, I'm not that bad. You have the physique of a professional wrestler. Uh, yeah, uh, I'd be in the meaty match, though. <laughs> you would be in the meaty match. I know, I got no muscle, Tom. I look like Peter Griffin without bones. That's horrible. You remember that? Remember <laughs> yeah. that episode, Peter had no bones? He was like gelatin. That's me, I'm jelly. I'm jelly. I used to be tight, I used to have some muscle. I tried to flex the other day, I fucking, there was nothing there. I was really impressed with this match. It's just so much fun. It, it never ceases to amaze me how guys with the size of Otis, with the size of Ivar, can fly around the ring. There was a spot where Ivar springboarded off the second rope, and Otis caught him in midair. Fuck, that's like 300 pounds, and did a power slam on him. The evolution of these big, meaty matches, we'll put that in quotes, has been something to see from 2023 to 2024. Now, Otis has strength. There's no denying that. You could see him. The way he picked up Ivar, I, I too couldn't believe it. Ivar can't really help him getting picked up. That's just all strength on Otis. So let me ask you a question, because you watched wrestling when you were a kid, obviously, right? Yeah, grew up with it. Who were the big guys back in the oh, day? Oh, you're talking Andre. You're talking Big John Studd, Ernie the Cat Lad. King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy. Vader. You know, Bam Bam Bigelow, but he wasn't as big as those other guys. But my point and my question is, if you look at Ivar and Otis and the way they move around the ring, you can't even compare that to what you grew up with. Now, Big John Studd was a giant in the ring, but he took like 20 minutes to go from one end of the ring to the other. Barely could move. Ernie the Cat Lad, too. He couldn't move either, but he had a big thumb. He used to jam it in your throat. <laughs> but, you know, Andre, you saw Andre. How many times you see Andre off the top rope? Never. You know, so th th today these guys are more athletic. You know, Babe Ruth just hit all the home runs, and he's drunk and eating hot dogs, 400 pounds. It's a different dynamics today with the athlete. But you're right. These guys are athletic, and they're big. And it's impressive to see how far they've come over the years. So hats off to the uh, meat matches. Hopefully we get a lot more of them moving forward because as i said before they always entertain all right let's finish up with the main event which saw cody rhodes versus shinsuke nakamura their rivalry came to an end when cody defeated shinsuke in a street fight the match had tables it had kendo sticks the bellkeeper got fucking sprayed with mist fun story actually i know the bellkeeper his name is berkeley he's a pretty nice guy oh you know that guy yeah he showed me around backstage when i used to work for the company oh wow he got sprayed bad I guarantee you that is the highlight of his time working with the company. Oh, not, yeah. Not that he hasn't had incredible experiences, but a spot as vicious as that, he'll be able to keep with him for the remainder oh, of Oh, yeah, and days. he's on TV. All his friends, his family saw him on TV getting fucking thrown up on. It's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. I'd let someone throw up on me on TV. It'd be great. Isn't that, like, so shocking that that happened to you? That would be the highlight of your year unequivocally and you're like oh look at this guy he just got fucking puked on his poor slob he's laying there he's got the shit in his eyes and his 
it's in his mouth and it's in his beard and stuff. So yeah, but you know, hey, the guy was that was his 15 minutes of fame. Especially knowing him, I popped that much more seeing him. So overall, let's talk about this match. I think this was a good way to have this feud come to an end. Give Cody the decisive win. Now both men can move on to bigger and better things. What do you think? Oh, definitely. You know, Cody's uh, he's got future plans that are going to go higher and higher and. You know, Nakamura, too. I tell you, Nakamura's had a nice run. Used to see him, and then he disappeared for a while. He's in these meaningless matches, tag team. He's had a nice run, and he's fighting the top guys in WWE. He went up against Seth. He went up against Cody. He had a great stretch where he ran through the Alpha Academy. He beat Big Bronson Reed. He beat Ricochet. He's beating all the undercard guys. He's like the Miami Dolphins. He can't beat a winning superstar, somebody who's got like a plus 500 record. And that's why he's never going to be more than a B-plus player. I think we said this about five, six episodes before. 95% of these guys are never going to win a heavyweight championship. The point I'm trying to articulate is that I think this is almost as good as it gets for Shinsuke right now. He's going to get caught in the shuffle of mania. He, he did great, but this is his ceiling for me. So I think Cody... I agree. This is his ceiling. You know, I definitely agree. So I think Cody obviously has the ceiling to become the WWE champion to defeat Roman Reigns to win the Royal Rumble. So let's just go right there. You said Cody Rhodes, in your opinion, is the favorite to win the Rumble. Definitely. You know, last year was supposed to be his year. Everyone thought he was going to beat Roman. He's been on top all year. No matter who he's up against, he puts on a great show. And I think it's his time. I can see him winning the Rumble. I really can. If Rhodes does, in fact, win the Rumble, it'll only be the fourth time in WWE history that a superstar has won back-to-back -back Royal Rumbles, with the last one being Stone Cold Steve Austin years and years and years ago. So it is a tall task for Cody Rhodes, but if anybody can do it, it's him. So that was raw in a nutshell. Am I missing anything, Cody? Is there anything that we glossed over you want to give a little more light, or are we good to move on? No, I think we're good to move on. We pretty much covered it all. All right, so that was Monday Night Raw. What did you think of the show? We want to know. So reach out to us on Instagram, X, and TikTok at It's Real to Us. If you want to catch us on YouTube, we're at It's Real to Us 1. We are going to take a quick break, and when we return, we are going to go over SmackDown, and you're going to find out what Tony's favorite dessert is. That's all coming up. I only get one. And as we go into the new year with no advertisers, great job, Mark. The father here, he's going to be calling in some favors from local vendors and bagel stores and pizzerias. And I'm going to get some cash for this fucking company because we got to do something because this company's cash poor. So vendors are going to be coming aboard very soon. And I can't wait because the father is going to be out there looking for people that are going to Come and contribute to our show, and we're going to advertise on the show. So in the upcoming weeks, there will be advertisers. I guarantee it. Guarantee! Yeah, baby. So SmackDown, we missed the show. We were busy. We were doing stuff. Sorry. What were we doing? We did an AEW show. Oh, that's right. We did the AEW show. We, we, we put three shows out last week. We had I think to... we were drinking. We said, fuck the show. We wanted to drink. You were eating. I was drinking. It was a long week. We had three episodes we put out. The Reelies. We had our AEW show. We had our day one show. So we missed SmackDown. So on SmackDown, you had Kevin Owens defeat Santos Escobar. He's going to move on and face Logan Paul for the United States Championship at the Royal Rumble. That's going to be fun. That's a smart move. I can't wait to see that match. Yeah, I think Owens was the right person to win that tournament for sure. Yeah, especially against Logan Paul because they have history. So it's going to be great. Yeah, definitely helps fill the marquee out. Io Sky retaining the WWE Women's Championship against Meechin. Not really a whole lot to talk about. We had Karrion Cross debut with Paul Ellering 
Scarlet by his side, and I wish Michael was here. Because duffel bag boys. The duffel bag boys. Akam and Rezar, the authors of Pain, are back, and they are in a stable with Karrion Cross. They attacked Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. So I think you're going to see a little six-man feud down the road with these teams. Tiny Mike called the duffel bag boys about a month and a half ago. He's like the Sherlock Holmes of WWE. I don't know where he gets this shit. Elsewhere on the show, we saw Tyler Bate make his debut to team with Butch to defeat Pretty Deadly. This is exciting. Bate and Butch have a lot of history together when Butch was known as Pete Dunne over in NXT UK. So to see them team together on SmackDown must have been a full circle moment for them. And I'm sure a lot of fans watching, especially overseas. So looks like SmackDown's got a new tag team moving forward with Butch and Bate. It'll be interesting to see how they coexist and make their way in that division. I guess that uh, Sheamus and his two boys are done, huh? I wouldn't be surprised if you see Sheamus at the Royal Rumble, but Ridge Holland is in NXT right now, and it seems as if the Brawling Brutes are done. But Butch has got a new tag team partner, so he's doing good. But what everybody's talking about is the main event, because in a number one contender triple threat match, LA Knight, Randy Orton, and AJ Styles fought to a no contest because Roman Reigns and the Bloodline interfered and wiped all of them out. Then, after the fact, Nick Aldis let Paul Heyman and everyone else know that because of their actions, Roman Reigns will have to defend the WWE Undisputed title at the Royal Rumble in a fatal four-way match against Randy Orton, LA Knight, and AJ Styles. Do you really think that he could lose in a four-way match? Is someone going to pin Roman? I doubt it. So you're going to take the title off of Roman by having LA Knight pin somebody? I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. So what do you think is going to happen? I think Roman's going to retain. It's obvious he's going to retain. Something's going to happen where you get Solo or, or Jimmy involved and he takes out probably L.A. Knight. I'm thinking that's the guy that's going to take the pin. I think it is a lot less obvious that Roman retains with a fatal four-way in play as opposed to if it was just Randy versus Roman. I think that there is more of an opportunity in fans' minds, to see Roman dropping the title because there are more numbers and more bodies involved. And Roman doesn't have to take the pin. So think about this. Say Randy Orton pins LA Knight, becomes the WWE champion, takes that title to WrestleMania, fights Cody Rhodes. There's a beautiful story right there. Cody can get his moment against Randy. Roman can fight The Rock for the head of the table because now Afa and Sika are questioning if Roman Reigns is right for the head of the table because he lost the championship. So there are ways you can go with this that you couldn't have if it was just a one-on-one -on -one match. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying, but you really think that 1,300-plus days – and Roman Reigns is going to lose the title in a fatal four-way. I just can't see it happening. I understand what you said. Maybe then you got The Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania. You can have The Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania, and he's the champ. If and when Roman Reigns loses that title, after 1,300-plus days, I want to see one man beat him and pin him. I 1,000% agree, and just to piggyback off of that point, I want to see it happen at WrestleMania, so I'm more just playing devil's advocate. I don't know. The more I sat with the decision of, for them to go with the Fatal 4-Way, I liked it because you keep LA Knight hot, you keep AJ Styles hot, you keep Randy Orton hot, and Roman now has his toughest test to date as champion. I'm predicting Roman Reigns is going to win that, and I feel kind of bad for Randy. I really wanted to see Randy fight Roman. I wanted to see that one-on-one -on -one match. Regardless if Randy wins or loses, 
Give him the shot. He got knocked out by Bloodline, and he has to wait 15 months to come back to go to a fatal four-way? That's the big negative, is, and we've highlighted it, that you're taking away from Orton's spotlight and his moment. Let me tell you something. They dropped the ball when they brought Randy Orton back. Remember the night he came back? You saw CM Punk 15 minutes yeah. later. Now you got a fatal four-way where it should be Randy versus Roman highlighting Royal Rumble night. I'm just not a big fan of the decision-making they're making with Randy right yeah, now. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, it keeps everybody hot. It's not a horrible decision because, like I said before, it opens up all these avenues for fans to like go down and think about possibilities that could happen. Plus, you could also just give Randy a one-on-one -on -one match at Elimination Chamber. I don't know. In Australia, I don't know. Royal Rumble would have been perfect. It is what it is. And what it is is a fatal four-way. So we'll see what happens at the Royal Rumble. But... Anything else you want to add before no. we close up shop for the night? No. Let me tell you something, though. If he did lose... Let me talk to you. If Roman Reigns did lose, that would be the ultimate shocker and twist on Rumble night. That would be fucking something. It could happen. You don't need the belt for Rock versus Roman. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't want it to happen, but it could happen. Lots to look forward to with the Rumble, but we're going to close up the shop by talking about desserts. I love desserts. Which is your favorite dessert, Tony? My favorite all-time dessert, gun to head, if I had to have Somebody one. Somebody in with the shotgun, fucking ch -ch -ch, gun to the head. What's your favorite dessert, if Tony? I, if I had to have one dessert, do I have to eat this every day for the rest of my life? <laughs> no. Every you, night? You shouldn't be eating dessert every day. I've been laying off the sugar. I, I've been I've been doing really good with the no, sugar. Yeah, you look fantastic. I do. I, I think I lost a couple of pounds, you know? My nose looks smaller. So I'm, I'm thinking uh, it's working what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm on that one sit-up a day. I get out of bed, and I jog down to the mail. I get the mail. So yesterday, I'm thinking about, oh, I'm going to get back in the gym. And I started getting scared. I started to sweat. I started thinking about I got to go up all those stairs at that place to get up to the fucking ellipticals. So I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I'm going to try. <laughs> so are you going to answer the dessert question or no? Oh, yeah, the dessert. If I could have one dessert for the rest of my life. It that would wasn't be... the question. It was your favorite dessert. You don't. You can have multiple desserts for the rest of your life, but your favorite dessert, gun to head right now. Chocolate cake. I love my chocolate cake. It could be any kind of chocolate cake. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Dinah chocolate cake sucks. I don't know why, but I eat that Dinah cake sometimes once in a blue moon. I don't like it. But a good chocolate cake, man, that's the best. And... With a big glass of milk. But I'm fucking lactose intolerant. But I'll eat it. I'll drink it anyway. My stomach swells up like a balloon. I thought you were going to say cannoli cake for sure. Oh, cannoli cake is good. I forgot about that cannoli cake. I love cannoli cake, too. <laughs> There's all kinds of desserts. So what about ice cream? Do you want to change your answer? Or are you uh, sticking with the chocolate cake? Oh, cannoli cake is good. I'm going to stick with the chocolate cake. Cannoli's a close second. All right, cool. What about your favorite dessert? Depends on my mood, but I... At this moment right now... What do you mean depends on your mood? Depends how much you smoke? I mean, it depends on how much I smoke. It depends on what I want to eat, my taste, bud, my taste buds that day. Yeah, there's a number of different things that factor into my decision for what I'm going to eat that day. Can I make a comment? You were the most pickiest motherfucker for breakfast I've ever met in my life. I'm really not. How the fuck could you not like breakfast? That's my favorite meal of the day. If I had to eat one meal a day, it would be breakfast. I don't care if I go out to a diner. I don't care if I bring it in. I don't care if I make it in the house. Breakfast is the best. And you sit there usually, you don't want breakfast, so you don't eat breakfast. I like breakfast. No, you don't. I like that cinnamon uh, bagel, that cinnamon toast bagel or whatever, the French toast bagel. Would you, how many times have you had that? Like three times. Yeah, okay. So how old are you? 
27. So three times in fucking your whole life. That's what I mean. You don't like breakfast. I like it. No, you don't. You don't get excited for it. I get pumped up in the morning. I wake up, my eyes open, and I'm thinking, what am I going to have for breakfast? I go up the stairs. I He's get so washed bad. up, and I get ready, and I'm I'm pumped up. I'm going out the door to get my coffee. You know what I have for breakfast today? I had oatmeal with strawberries and blueberries. Yeah, you're doing good. I'm proud of you. How fucking great was that? <laughs> I also had a, an almond croissant. <laughs> it had a little chocolate in it, too. It was so fucking good. I dipped it in my coffee. Right, it was well, great. In, in case you were curious, my favorite dessert is a tricolor cookie cake. You do like that. I know that. You're a tricolor guy. All kinds of food is good. I love eating, you know? <laughs> At the end of the day, if you take food away, I'm killing myself. <laughs> I love eating. It's my right, favorite thing. Take it easy, know. Tony. Take it easy. You want to go get yogurt? I do kind of want to go get yogurt. It's fucking bad out there, the weather. Remember we went to get yogurt the other night? <laughs> we almost died. It was fucking snowing like a motherfucking nobody's on road, but we jumped in a truck. Me, the Mark, and Tiny Mike, and we said, let's go get the yogurt. The car was swerving all over the road. People were breaking down. It was accidents. But you know what? We got the yogurt. I think that is a good place to leave it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. We really appreciate it. We will be back sometime next week. Until then, what would you do if I sang out in tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Arriva! Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song, <laughs> but I'll try not to sing out of key. All right, bye-bye, everyone.